This is Nick Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, and although I am a huge Pittsburgh Penguins and hockey fan, I'm also a huge fan of the NFL, who is getting ready for Super Bowl 55, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, Antonio Brown versus Le'Veon Bell. For all the Pittsburgh fans listening, we'll have to see who we hate least, and that's who we'll root for in that game but if you're a pigskin fan the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of super bowl 55 is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to 55 million dollars in prizes up for grabs all you have to do is get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free super bowl prediction challenge once you submit your picks you'll get a free instant prize up to twenty-five thousand. dollars Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, $7 billion with a B, to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by my special host, Nicholas J. Horwat, with a very special shirt on today. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, it's a very special shirt because it's uh, true in this town, and the company that made it is Pittsburgh Clothing Company, and... If anyone is on Pittsburgh Hockey Twitter, we know what happened last week. But that was last week. It's in the past. It's over. We all bought our attire. We are all riding high after four straight wins. I've had a couple of drinks. I'm watching <laughs> football and then hockey and football at the same time. And damn it, the Penguins don't look phenomenal, but we're getting wins. Hey, you're getting the points in the standings, and that is the only thing that matters. And we will jump into all of those games by all of those I mean the two games that the Penguins had against the New York Rangers here we're hoping that the live stream holds up this time the last time we live streamed it did not go too well so if we get kicked we apologize but as of right now we're gonna go until that happens and we're thanking everybody that is joining us live on Facebook live and on Periscope right now and if you're listening to the podcast version it is the exact same thing but Still, go back and listen to it on the podcast as well. Absolutely. Before we get into the Pittsburgh Penguins games against the New York Rangers, let's give a quick congratulations to Dad Ruweedle, who his son Brody Hayes Ruweedle was born on Thursday. Chad Ruweedle is now the second Pittsburgh Penguin already to have a child born this season. Of course, we already gave congratulations to Colton Sevier in training camp and now a congratulations to Chad Ruweedle. So it's been a pretty good week for him finding a regular spot in the lineup with the Pittsburgh Penguins due to some injuries. 
And now, of course, the birth of his son, Brody. So congratulations to Chad. And he's played pretty well so far as well. Yeah, he has. I mean, our defense has been shot to death and back, apparently, given these injuries. I mean, we all knew P.O. Joseph was going to make his debut this year. I don't think we all knew how quickly it was going to be. Literally game one, two, three, four, five into the season. And here he is. He's here. And he looked damn good so far. But I yeah, mean, also, and, that's not what we're talking about. We're here talking about Chad Ruido and his kid. Congratulations. We'd love to see it. I mean, we can move on to P.O. Joseph yeah. because his NHL debut was, of course, Friday, which was game one of this series against the New York Rangers. He gets the, you know, customary rookie gets to be the first one out for the uh, pregame skate. You love to see it. Some Yield things rookie in a weird. Yeah, exactly. You old rookie lap. Even in a year where everything is different, some things remain the same, and it's nice to see. And he went out there and he played pretty well on, on Friday, and he played pretty well earlier today as well. So P.O. Joseph so far has been kind of a revelation for the Penguins, and it helps especially when they're missing now four guys on the injury list. And let's, before we get talking about Friday's game a little bit more, one of those injured defensemen is Marcus Pedersen. And that broke his Ironman streak. He had never missed a game in a Penguins uniform. Unfortunately, he is one half of last season's Iron Penguin recipient. That is the award that we give out to the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguin that plays in every single regular season game. And last year, it was Marcus Pedersen and Teddy Bluger. And now Pedersen, of course, missing going to be a couple weeks with that injury that he sustained on Tuesday against the Washington Capitals because of the TJ Oshie hit. If you want Horwath's opinions on that, go back and listen to last Thursday's episode. But Pedersen will be out. Bluger still has his Ironman streak intact, and he now leads the Penguins in games or straight consecutive games played. But let's jump into Friday night's game because the Penguins were able to pull off a 4-3 to shootout win. And at that point, we had thought that maybe if we win every single game in overtime or a shootout, there's still a chance that we get to the playoffs because at that point, it had been three straight wins three straight wins that also needed extra time but let's go from the start to finish of course the penguins get that one to nothing lead after a very tentative first by both teams it seemed like there was a big feeling out process by the penguins and the rangers and oddly enough that carried over it seemed to sunday's game but these two teams were not really going at it early on in the first meeting yeah i mean i was delivering during the beginning of that game so i don't remember too much of it but mm. I mean, when we pull out a win and we pull it out in a shootout, no less, where, where man, did I have to eat some, yeah, I'd eat some words, didn't I? That's what happens whenever you put your, your opinions out on Twitter for the world to see. It wasn't even on Twitter. I did it behind a microphone last episode. I said, why is Chris Letang still on the shootout? I mean, to be fair, I have pulled up numbers. I looked into it finally because I said I would. Since Jake Gensel joined the team, I'm jumping right into it. I don't care. Since Jake Gensel joined the team, um, in the shootout, he is he's four for six, which is damn good. And that includes uh, Friday night's shootout. Four for six is damn good. Since that same time, Crystal Tang is four for 11. That's not as good. It's okay. Don't get me wrong. I mean, a shootout's weird and it's kind of magic. It's kind of like goaltending. It's just voodoo. But that's not what you want whenever you have a guy that is doing much better and you continue to put your defenseman out. Also, Rust is two for two, in case anybody's curious. (laughs) 
Yeah, but also you got to remember Chris Letang leads the NHL. And by leading the NHL, I mean NHL history yes. in shootout goals. Although that has only been a thing for the past about 12, probably like 15 or 16 years. And that's also nerfed a little because he uh, probably at one point was the only defenseman doing it. Because I'm, sh- I mean, I don't, I don't know how many teams actually put defensemen out there on shootouts. I know we did because we had someone who could do something like that, and it was cool back then. Mm-hmm. But it is the same move every time. Well, it looked pretty good on Friday night. That's that's all I have to say about but it. it works. As long as he keeps doing that, I don't really have an issue with it. But a little bit earlier in the game, let's jump back to earlier in the game. Of course, the start of the second period, the Penguins at that point were up one to nothing, and then three goals in three minutes and one second. And it's kind of a microcosm of what we've seen so far from the Pittsburgh Penguins season at that, up to that point, at least. And that is whenever it rains, it seems to pour and it takes a while for the Penguins to catch their footing. And on Friday night, it was more of the same giving up three goals in three minutes and one second. And I mean, it started off not great, but all right, they had a good penalty kill against the New York Rangers. And then all of a sudden they get a second penalty called on them right back to back and the Rangers took that and ran with it and at that point when they're up three to one you had to think well the Penguins have done it a couple times this year already and it's only the fifth game could they do it again and then once again they come back into the shootout a little bit of help there especially on the Jared McCann goal with Lindgren basically just shuffling the puck right back into his own net which was absolutely hysterical but at the same time, the Penguins are able to come back in that game and win in the shootout, as you mentioned. Latang, beautiful shootout goal. But overall in that game, what did you think, first of all, of Tristan Jari's performance in that game? Of course, his first game back since taking the two outings against Washington off and having time with Mike Buckley. What did you think of his performance on Friday night? Uh, better, much, much better. I mean, still not ideal because you don't want to be giving up three goals in that short of time. But the fact that he was able to hold it down, hold it through an overtime period, and, I mean, look much better doing it, it's still not exactly where we want him because we don't want to see goals in that quick a succession. But he, is at le- he at least looked better. And not only looking better through the game through an overtime but you got to look as a goalie at least still like a shootout is still relevant for a goalie because they still have to look good yeah because because if you can't stop a breakaway on a shootout you're not going to stop a breakaway in a regular game where it really matters so for him to look good as in the shootout as well as the rest of the game it's a sign of positivity it's a sign that he's turning things around at least and things have looked far better for him so far yeah, you mentioned the three quick goals and quick succession. And yeah, it is an issue if it continues to happen. Right. And it did happen in Philadelphia an awful lot. Yeah. But on Friday night, I didn't really blame Tristan Jari for those. I, I really, the first two goals were not his fault. The first one, of course, Brian Dumlin, who we're, we'll be talking about for a while now with the way that he's been playing. Brian Dumlin with the turnover and then runs into Chad Ruweedle, or now we're going to, I guess, proclaim him Dad Ruweedle. But they run into each other, and Philip Heedle in front of the net, just a beautiful Forsberg goal. Like, hands up to him. That was an amazing goal. And Jari had nothing to really do. He, he couldn't do anything. 
in that instance. Second goal, again, turnover by his defenseman. That's Chris Letang on the penalty kill. And then Letang goes out and screens him. And then, of course, we'll get into what happened with Cody Cece on the second goal in today's game. But And the third goal was his fault. Bad rebound control. But it's it's not an awful outing for him. I thought it was right. obviously up to that point, clearly is his best outing, getting his goals allowed average down underneath seven, which is where it was sitting before that game. But he, he played pretty well. He, he played good. And I think the best thing about that game on Friday was the way the second line looked. It's finally our top six starting to contribute a little more. It, it was nice to see Evgeny Malkin have a little bit more jump in his step. And we mentioned on the show, both times last week that Evgeny Malkin is going to struggle a little bit without fans in the stands to get going early in the season because he's somebody that he feeds off of that energy that fans bring to him. And unfortunately, that's not going to be there this year. And we've mentioned it several times already, but he seems like he's starting to kind of settle in, starting to get his footing. He's still not exactly where you would expect him to be at this point of the season, but he's Evgeny Malkin. He, he's going to come around eventually. And you're starting to see that with everybody on the Penguins' talk six, especially guys like Brian Rust and Jake Gensel at this point now. Yeah, and it's – you mentioned it perfectly. It's not where we want him to be yet. I mean, for what it is, is that still only his is – is his goal from that uh, Capitals game still only his, his only point? For Malkin? Yeah. The, no, I think he got an assist on the Rust goal. In, on, on yes. Friday's game, he, he did. does have yes. two points now. So yes, he's building up a little more. He's getting to where he needs to be. It's still not where it should be. I mean, we're six games in now, mm-hmm. two points. Okay, it's early. We're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt for maybe one more game. After that, it's all hands on deck. The man's got to be back. That goes for everyone, really, and that includes guys like Jason Zucker, who hasn't found the back of the net yet, and. I mean, I mentioned this um, last episode that you have to hope that these guys that haven't really picked up a goal or a point or have really hit their game yet, mm-hmm. that once they get the one, the floodgates are going to open. And so far, that seems to be the case with McCann and Gensel a little. I mean, yeah. granted, McCann isn't really the one that scored it, but they don't ask how. They ask how many, and he got one. So he's got that. Then there's... um rust who picked up some very good opportunities in sunday's game so he's looking like he should be rolling back soon mm-hmm. and yeah i think just if everyone can get their first one in it should keep rolling jake gensel himself with the game winner today it's mm-hmm. um everyone seems to get their one malkin's waiting for his one dominant game and the floodgates should open for him so just to close out Friday night's game before we jump into the game that we just witnessed here a couple of minutes ago, the Penguins after their win on Friday became 3-0 on home ice at PPG Paints Arena this season. That is the first time they've been able to do that in the Mike Sullivan era and the first time that they've done that in whole since 2013-14. So a good start for the Penguins on home ice. And then, of course, we, we're going to move here to Sunday's game. What did we think of the line changes? It came out early Sunday morning that Mike Sullivan basically just looked at his lines, his forward lines, I should say, and said, let's hit shuffle. And then I'm sure if he would have hit shuffle once, it would not have produced what we saw by puck drop. He probably had to hit shuffle about three or four times. Let me read off these lines as they started, because by the end of the game, they weren't the same due to injury. But as the line started on Sunday, 
Gensel Crosby Rodriguez was the only line that stayed intact, which is if you're going to make that many line changes, you would have thought that that would have been one of the changes made. But unfortunately, no. Uh, second line started with McCann, Malkin, and Rust. McCann probably getting a little bit of an attaboy after getting his first goal since last January, calendar year-wise. And then third line of Zucker, Bluger, and Kapanen. So that is just a mishmash of second line players getting demoted, fourth line players getting promoted, and then Kapanen just being thrown all over the place for the beginning of his Penguins career. And that left Tanev, Jankowski, and Sevier as the fourth line. Like I said, he threw it in a blender to start the game against the Rangers. And while they were three and two, while they had won three games in a row, they hadn't really been producing at the level that the Penguins and especially Mike Sullivan expected them to. So he decided to change things up. What were, what were your thoughts of these, these lines heading into the game tonight? It makes sense. Zucker's got to get going. So moving him around could easily help with that. It's, it's time to really pull the staples out of stapling guys together. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we've won some games. We have not looked good doing it yet. And that includes tonight. We've looked good. Like we've looked okay at times, but we haven't looked the way we want ourselves to look. So it's time to start just pulling staples. I'm not saying permanently, but you don't want a Brian Rust to be getting pulled down. If Malkin's not playing well, because he's really not yet. He's not playing like himself. So you don't want to, pull down other guys who might be able to help contribute a little more and once guys get going and the flow starts coming back a little more then you stick them all together again and hope everything's been working because I think that's the main reason why Zucker got pushed down to the third and I mean Kapanen being there I think it's just another testament to how faithful we are in saying that multiple players on our team can play anywhere in the lineup Kapanen being one of them because we said we want him on the first line. Well, he started on the fourth. Now he's going to the third. And his final destination, we know where it is. It's going to be the first. As for now, Rodriguez is still there. He's a guy that we want to throw everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we've been saying forever, Tanev is a guy that can play on all four. We have so many guys that can play on all four lines that it's time to utilize that a little until we start looking better. Granted, again, we're getting wins. We're not getting the right wins, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I said earlier, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And that counts with wins, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but it it come, but it's a little bit more in question. That's all that is. I mean, we got a great chance. We're getting wins. We're moving up. We're looking better. Just not looking phenomenal yet. We're not looking like the Penguins we want to see. And that is exactly why Mike Sullivan decided to switch the lines up. And it's interesting, too, because of the way that he did it. He didn't just say, all right, these players are playing well. They're getting promoted. He, he tried a bunch of things that haven't been seen, but it looks like there are some things that are kind of set in stone when it comes to the Penguins' lines. Obviously, right now, he has Gensel and Crosby set in stone. It doesn't seem like he wants to split those guys up. And then you look at Malkin and Rust. At the beginning of this game, it seemed like him and – you know, Malkin and Russ, want, they wanted him to stay together. And then you look down at, at Bluger and Kapanen as kind of like a pairing that they want mixed together right now until Kapanen's ready to go on that first line. But the other one I noted was Tanev and Jankowski. Now, Tanev started the last game on the second line with Evgeny Malkin, which is the highest we've seen him play in a long time because 
he was last year on that fourth line all the time. And this year, it already seemed early in the season that he found himself another line that was never going to be broken up by Mike Sullivan with Jankowski. And who else was he with at the beginning of the season? It was those two and McCann. And it seemed like that's the line that Mike Sullivan was never going to break up. And now you look a couple of games later and Mike Sullivan seems like he's willing to change everything. I mean, with the injury to Evan Rodriguez in this game, we might even see Drew O'Connor drawing a lineup spot in the next game. And I know that would make you very happy. But at the same time, he still seems like he's keeping the core element of the way that this team was structured on opening night. He's trying to keep that together yet still be flexible enough to make the lineup decisions when things aren't working. And even though they won three games, it wasn't working. There were things missing and they've yet to play a good first period. In my opinion, they were down one, nothing after one today, they've yet to come out of the starting blocks. Good at all. And yes, that includes the game that they scored what, 18 seconds in against the Capitals? They don't play well in the first period so far, and that's something that needs to change if they're going to compete, especially coming up this week against Boston, who, what was it, last night, completely blew the doors off the Philadelphia Flyers. So if you think you're going to be able to not show up in the first period and get wins in Boston, it's not going to happen this week. Yeah, it's Boston's a team that's very interesting still. I don't know much about them yet, but... um... I mean, we got a day off to study them up and figure it out. <clears throat> we know they're a good team, but, I mean, we can be better. Our top six still has to do something. We've been winning games. Yeah, again, they we've been winning games. We've been looking okay doing it. We've been looking better in recent games. I mean, we've been – I mean, our last – we haven't – this was the first game that we haven't given up three goals or more. We can't keep winning horse races like that. We can't. <laughs> gotta hold it in and that's not just a goaltending thing that's for everyone because there are some teams you'll run into in this division where they're gonna have a goalie that's not gonna give up seven goals whenever you're giving up six like i mean we've gotten away with it so far but we run into carter hart that's not happening if we run into the right carter hart yeah they might put up seven okay we can try and fire back and get eight you're not doing that against carter hart you could do that in Buffalo. You can do that in apparently Washington. But but for now, we gotta hold in and it and it goes to the defense. We gotta hold them in. We gotta the, the defense has not looked good yet and it didn't look great today, but Jari stood tall today. And going past that, it's good to see that we're at least holding a team to two. Now let's get it down to one. Let's get a shut a shutout under our belt. Let's go from there. Don't ask for too much, man. I mean, shout out. That's, that's that's asking for the world of the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, isn't it? That and a game in regulation, even though we got one. Yeah, the game in regulation, that, that's that's a check mark there. Check that off the box. But at the same time, it, it was not an easy win for the Pittsburgh Penguins by any means. I mean, it's the, for the second straight game against the New York Rangers, who we had Andy Hammond on last Thursday to talk about this team. And he said, this team is not great team defense-wise. They gave up 50 shots the game before coming into Pittsburgh. And the Penguins, in both games against New York, only had 10 shots by the midpoint of the game. 10 shots in 30 minutes is not going to cut it. Now, yes, I get Brian Rust in the last game had 11 shots on his own. But you're going to need to do better than 10 shots in the first half of the game going forward. And I get small sample size, only two games. But especially against a team that coming in was not good 
at keeping their goaltenders clean. The Penguins just did not get enough on net. And the problem is they're still trying to be pretty with it, which makes no sense. I mean, you see the way that this team has played to start the season. They have not been able to put the puck in the back of the net at a very good clip at five on five, yet they still make that extra pass. And a lot of that was Evan Rodriguez, who we'll get to in a second. But Evgeny Malkin, Jason Zucker, even Mark Jankowski, you got to get the shots on the net and get the rebounds. That's how they've scored goals so far this season, yet they still seem reluctant to do so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Who's been reluctant? I kind of half heard it because I was looking at a tweet. I mean, the whole team has. You you have to look at it and see that this team overpasses the puck in every chance they get. Yeah, and it makes no sense. Yeah, the overpassing has been absolutely brutal. I mean, I don't know who's implementing that, but whoever it is needs to be told. This isn't how it works. Mm -hmm. We brought it up last episode that I said Dublin's been shooting a lot more. That's what I want to see from everyone. Yeah. It's great that Dumo's doing it, but I mean, shit, Dumo, you have what, four career goals? (laughs) Hell, it's four more than I got. Congratulations. We love that. I mean, I remember one of them was a huge one in game six of the Stanley Cup Finals in 2016. Thank you. We love that. But I mean, I want to, I just want to see his teammates doing it. I want to see everyone in a Penguins uniform taking more shots. It's great that one person's doing it, it's a start. But it's time to start seeing everyone kind of just take a shot have an opportunity or maybe it's not a great one something it in certain games you got to just take a shot on that and see what happens and go from there that's the kind of play we need to be in right now and it's just getting pucks on net. the basic terminology pucks deep pucks on net. that's all we need right now it's something should happen and let's face it the beginning of this game wasn't much of that for either team i mean he both teams were, were not doing a good job of really up getting any chances at all. I mean, this game to me in the first half was what Dustin Poirier was to Conor McGregor last night. And it's putting yeah. me to sleep. It, it was literally just an absolute slow start by both teams. Tentative again, which makes, again, no sense in this schedule. By the time you get a team in the second time in a row, it should not be tentative when you're yeah. going out there in the first half. But it all turned around, and the momentum for both teams kind of turned around with a very strange thing, and that was the hit by Evan Rodriguez on, I believe it was Philip Heedle of the New York Rangers. It was not the biggest hit, yet both players ended up injured on the play. Heedle did return. Rodriguez didn't, and we'll get to that in a second. But that seemed to be the catalyst for both teams to kind of open up the offense a little bit. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Rodriguez is a guy that can play all four lines. I have shouted that I don't want him on this team anymore, but I mean, they're not moving him off that first line for a reason. And because the coaches know more than I do. So there's something right there. Um, It sucks to see a man go down at all, especially a guy like him who, you know, maybe I don't want the starting lineup, but he's an important piece. Nonetheless, I'm not saying he's not important to this team. Mm. He's a guy that could fill in anywhere and he's kind of proven it already. He's played better up there. Um, not a situation you want to see. Hopefully it's not much. But hey, hopefully, if anything, if he's out, Drew O'Connor, it's your turn, man. And you would think so. Either that or Sam Lafferty would be brought back uh, from the pack. Yeah, but I mean, maybe we want to give the new kid a shot. I mean, I don't know how. It's the hockey politics, man. That's what's probably going to come into play when it comes to those two. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? I would like to see 
Drew O'Connor get his shot. I mean, you could even split them up for now. Go mm-hmm. one for one in the next two game series we have in Boston. Give it a shot. See what tell like say like put Lafferty in first and say, hey, we're just putting you in this game. Do what you gotta do. Play good, play hard. Next game we're putting O'Connor in. We're giving him his shot, giving him his first game. Do what you gotta do and make a decision there. I don't know. It's again, I'm not a coach, clearly, but <laughs> but um it'll be interesting to see if what's wrong with Rodriguez first and then mm-hmm. going from there and who will be stepping up. I mean, plus the lines will have to get shuffled. I've enjoyed watching Crosby, Gensel, and Rust. And that goes to what I've been saying. It's time to pull those staples out. Get those lines changed. I'm not saying take Gensel away from Crosby, but maybe it's time for Russ to move away from Malkin for a little bit. I mean, it seemed to work on the game today. I mean, Sid, what was it? Sid and the Kids version 2.0 is what that was called back in 2017 on their cup run. So because it's Sid and the Kids was Rust and Sherry. Sid and the Kids mm-hmm. 2.0 is when you had Gensel there instead of Sherry. So, I mean, that was working wonders in this game. And it, it's funny what happens whenever you put somebody capable on the right side of that line. Because the second that happens, Crosby springs Rust. And Rust, yeah. instead of trying to overpass like Evan Rodriguez has been doing the first five games of the season, sits there and buries it. Yes, it was his second breakaway of the game. And the first one, he just over deked and, and lost control and didn't really get a good opportunity on but the second one he did not miss and that was huge for the Pittsburgh Penguins because they had nothing going on offense at that point and that kind of revived their ch- hopes a little bit that they could beat Igor Shesterkin because the Penguins had some chances Shesterkin was making it look easy and then after Rust beat him it became a little bit more of a game at that point now the New York Rangers second goal by Strome that's all Cody Cece. That is 100% on Cody CC, And yes, was Jari out of position? Yeah, a little bit because he had to make a sprawling save and he made a really good save. But the problem is you can't have your defenseman on his knees with the puck behind him at that point. Cody CC is not the goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He is a defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And one of the golden rules for defensemen is don't go down to the ice until you absolutely have to. And he didn't. He was tying Strom up pretty well and then the puck comes to somebody else and he drops to his knees and tries to make the, the the kick save. And guess what? He whiffs on the kick save. Jari is doing his job, makes the save. But the problem is once Jari makes a great save, there's nobody there to clear out the front of the net. And Strom has an easy put in. And that's why it was two to one, kind of killing all the Penguins momentum. What did you think of Cody Cece tonight? Because I think that he hadn't played bad in the first game against Philly that caused him to be benched. And he didn't play bad on Friday against the Rangers. But tonight... He was noticeably, he was physical at some points and he had some good speed, but he was noticeably making mistakes tonight, which is yeah. not what the Penguins need. Yeah, I, on uh, it, they, the Dying Live podcast brought it up, talked about Cody CC, and they said the ideal game for CC in a Penguins uniform is that you don't notice him. I think I said that before as well, that the perfect game for them in this uniform is either you don't notice him or they do something huge in a good way. Because that's the kind of rut that CC has dug himself into recently. It's mm-hmm. we he's dug himself this reputation of not being a great player, not being a great defenseman. Well, if in the first few games that he's played with us, he looked unnoticeable, that's a good start. Now it's time to turn it around. Like I said, maybe we get an Ottawa Senators version of Cody CC because guys joining new teams can sometimes have that 
resurgence. And we saw it with Justin Schultz here. Um, but now it's finally looking like, I mean, hey, he looked bad in Toronto because he was on the first line. He was playing with a phenomenal defenseman. Mm-hmm. And now he's on the third where he should be, at least. And you, while you're out there, while, yes, you're playing less minutes than you were in Toronto or you were in Ottawa, mm-hmm. when you're out there, you still got to at least look better. So during the time he's out there, he didn't look great today. Thank God it's the first time we're having this conversation and not the sixth. That's Let's true. Say that. Yeah, with 50 games left in the season, Cody Cece's play is something that isn't necessarily the biggest factor right now, which is all you need to say. As long as he's not costing the Penguins games, especially when you have four defensemen that are on the injured list, then, okay, if as long as he's not costing you games and the way that P.O. Joseph has played in these first two games is making it seem a little bit less of an impact the reason that it doesn't feel like the penguins are drowning right now on defense is because of the way po joseph has played yeah and cc is the one playing off wing in this situation right no john marino moved off wing okay yeah and and as long as john marino is still looking good that's a huge up to him that's Mm -hmm. massive because if he can prove to play either side huge that's what you want to see from the young kid like him as for cc we had to move you up to the second line. Injuries have called for it. Yeah. Maybe we didn't want to see it exactly, but it's better that you're playing CeCe on his correct wing, a lineup, and not throwing him off position than you are. I, I heard someone throw the option out of putting, I think it was Mark Madden actually, putting Joseph on the second line with Marino and putting CeCe on the off wing. And that just sounded like not a great idea because you don't want a guy like Cece who could fuck everything up that quickly on the off wing because he could keep messing things up for the rest of the game following that. Mm -hmm. So it's a smarter idea just moving him up. Again, you're still sheltering his minutes a little bit because it's the second line and not the first with, I mean, in our situation, it would be with Brian Dumoulin. Toronto's situation was with first line with Morgan Riley. Uh, yeah, that, that's no bueno for that's anybody involved. That, that's basically the equivalent, not basically, that is the equivalent of when Jack Johnson was up with Chris Letang last season. It yeah. was a nightmare. And luckily, it seems like Mike Sullivan has learned from his mistakes, and it seems like Todd Reardon is not going to allow that to happen. So no, nothing against Cody Cece. He, he has not, like I said, he's not cost us a game. So, so far, I'm not ready to you know ship him out of Pittsburgh. He's on a one-year deal, and he's here to do exactly what he's doing right now, fill in when there's injuries. But at the same time, it is a concern if he continues to play games the way that he did today because eventually it will cost the Pittsburgh Penguins a game. But before we – yeah, and and possibly an important one. You have two big ones coming up against the Boston Bruins this week. But before we keep talking about the Penguins' victory over the New York Rangers 3-2 to on Sunday night, we are brought to you by DraftKings, of course, the best sports book in the world. Go to DraftKings, sign up on DraftKings Sportsbook, and use our promo code THPN for great savings and great opportunities. Again, that is code THPN on DraftKings Sportsbook. A thank you to them. Now our second week in our relationship with them. So a good relationship, hopefully a fruitful one for, for both of us here. But I let's hope get everyone back. Everyone used their promo code on Poirier last night. That's that would, yeah, that would have helped a lot. But I've, this, you know, the Super Bowl is coming up. That's one of the biggest betting times in yeah, the all world. Those, all those and prop luckily, bets. Draft gotta, Kings, go ahead. DraftKings have all those prop bets up for the Super Bowl? Like, I'm not sure. I'm like, check that anthem out. length. Or, we'll discuss that going into next episode. But 
definitely um, have to keep an eye out. Yeah, for sure. And I did just get a, a message right before the Penguins game started from DraftKings Sportsbook. They are now live in Virginia, so you boys back in play. Ooh, there you go. World, so watch out. I'll be losing all my money on that. <laughs> but let's get back to talking about Penn's Rangers right now. Of course, they went down 2-1, to one, going into the third period once again, trailing. They have not had a third period lead yet this season. We're six games in. Not, not great, but luckily Jared McCann – he should play the lottery, honestly. He, yeah. The two goals that he has now scored, and those are not only the fact that they're the two goals that he scored, but they're the two goals that have hopefully gotten him out of one of the worst slumps that we have seen a guy with the talent of Jared McCann been in. It, that, his goal most recently looked like that Rodriguez goal from last year before everything shut down. That's, yep. I, the second he scored that, I said, damn, that looked a lot like Rodriguez because <laughs> that's the highlight of Rodriguez's Penguin career. And now McCann's continuing his highlight reel with the same sort of same sort of deal down the mm -hmm. left side, just kind of putting it on net, hoping for the best. Flopped in over a shoulder, and it's a goal, an important one nonetheless. And mm -hmm. for McCann, I mean, it's the first one he put in off of his stick, so that's got to feel damn good. <laughs> I know I mentioned the they don't ask how, they ask how many, and that's another goal. They don't ask how, they ask how many. Yeah, his second uh, goal, second game in a row. First one since, I mean, his, from the first goal on Friday, his first one since January 14th. If I'm looking at the date, yeah, that's a, a year and a week and a day. It's, that's brutal, especially for a guy like him who we, I mean, yeah, he was the throw-in in that Bukestad deal. Yeah, do you guys remember the Bukestad deal? <laughs> he was the, the throw-in, and he turned out to be the better piece, the more important piece, the more useful piece. And he, we gave him a new contract. Here he is. And he's already proven to be looking better than he did toward the end of last year. He's already proven to say, hey, I know I got to work my ass off this year. And he's taken the opportunities he gets. He said that he's not focused on getting points this year, which is probably what you should be doing when you're back down to the bottom six and you want to just take your opportunities to play the game the right way that's kind of what he was going for like i'm just trying to play the game the right way i'm not going to let a scoring drought or a point drought get in the way of just playing his best game and he's looked better he's looked much better so far i mean two goals in two games in a row looking good yeah. that's what we want to see and for him i don't care if he scores 15 goals and none of them actually come off of his stick clean as long as he's putting the puck in the back of the neck that's a positive for the Pittsburgh Penguins yeah. because he is a guy that before that 22-game drought at the end of last season, he showed that he could be one of the best scorers for the Penguins' bottom six, if not one of the best scorers for the Pittsburgh Penguins because he is, when he's on fire, he's on fire, and he has a great shot. And we saw in last year's return-to-play training camp, so many players say he has the hardest shot on the team, which is very surprising considering you have guys like Evgeny Malkin. You have a guy like Chris Letang, whose shot is, it was faster before, but it still has some speed when he takes a slap shot. Crosby's shots are lasers, and so are Rust's and Gensel's, but yet Jared McCann is a the guy they all pointed to. This guy has the hardest shot on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not always the most accurate, but he definitely has the hardest mm -hmm. shot, and right now it's working for him. Two goals, like you said, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And luckily for him, it's two goals in two games. That got the Penguins back to even playing field. And, of course, Jake Gensel with a minute 31 left. The Penguins finally get a win. 
and regulation. And, and that brings us to right now, Horwat. The Penguins have now won four straight. They are four and two. They had a clean sweep of the Rangers followed following their clean sweep of the Washington Capitals. They're 4-0 at home now. So what are your thoughts now heading forward in this East division? I almost said Metropolitan division. I'm still trying to get used to the Eastern division. But what are your thoughts for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the East division right now? Well, it's basically the Metropolitan, but it's not just the East. It's the Mass Mutual East division. Ah, I apologize. Got to get that in there. And when it comes to the rest of the teams, I mean, I guess Buffalo's looked okay if they're doing damn good against some good teams. We gotta, we gotta replay Philly. That'll be a big yeah. important test for us. We gotta see how we stack up against Philly when we're in the swing of things. Granted, we still have to play teams in that situation. Like we still gotta play Boston, who we're getting to. Um, the Devils, we still have to see what we can do against them. Mm-hmm. And the Islanders. I mean, we still got to play teams to really know what we're like against everyone. But going forward, I mean, yeah, we didn't look great against the Flyers, but they haven't looked great since. So let's keep that in mind. We looked better. Against we the looked Capitals. good against the Flyers. We did. I mean, I wouldn't say good. Good is a very strong word yeah. for the Pittsburgh Penguins' performance. But they controlled play. They controlled possession of the puck. They just couldn't beat Carter Hart. And it, yeah, and even the start- Flyers said that they got lucky to win both of those games against the penguins that it's not my words it, it that is the words of some of the philadelphia flyers players not verbatim but that's basically what they said some of the words from the philadelphia flyers have been pretty vulgar towards <laughs> journalists but hey uh i don't know that whole situation i heard into it and they both sound like they're in the wrong i don't care not my city not my team Fuck not my both. problem not my problem um when it comes to the rest i mean yeah if we can control play like we did against Philly and get our chances, there's a team we can beat. I mean, who did they just get demolished to? Did you say, was it Buffalo? Boston. Boston. Okay. Yes. Six to one. Buffalo, I think is like only played Washington so far. It seems that way. Almost. (laughs) They're getting all eight games out of the way now, but they're like, that's a team that they've, if bought, if Buffalo was playing well against Washington, that's something to really look at. I mean, granted, yes. It's a Washington team, which we'll get to. A Washington team without Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, or Love, or Samsonov, and Samsonov, all the Ovs. <laughs> it, but still, nonetheless, it is that's still a capital team that has Backstrom, Wilson, that other goalie who looks really damn good right now. Vitek Vanacek is yes. played very well so far. Yeah. So I. So if Buffalo's doing good, not great, but good so far against a team like that okay, we need to take note of that mm-hmm. and keep an eye on Buffalo when we play them. It's hard to get a grasp on what we will actually look like against the rest of the East. I kind of want to see us play everyone first, and then I can really give a full answer to that. But yeah. for now, going forward, it should be good. If we can get back into the swing of things like we have been, we can get teams to you know holding them to one, two goals a game, and that's it. We're going to look much better because we've proven we can score all the goals we want to. We've won these horse races, but yeah. now we have to do more defensively. I think the defense has been our big issue so far, and our top six needs to really kick it up a notch. 
So heading forward, of course, we have the Boston Bruins for a two-game set in the middle of this week. And then, of course, once again, we play the New York Rangers two games in, I believe, Madison Square Garden this time. So it'll be an interesting week for sure. We'll see what the Pittsburgh Penguins can do against the team that I believe both of us picked to win the East Division, the Mass Mutual East Division, I apologize for what. But that's something that is going to be a developing storyline, and we will have the results of that game for our episode this Thursday. So make sure you tune in to hear us discuss the Penguins game Tuesday against the Boston Bruins. But we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit about the capital situation, their COVID protocols or lack of, I should say. And then we'll talk a little bit about the trade that was heard around the hockey world. We'll be right back here on the tip of the iceberg. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We just finished talking about the Penguins' clean sweep, and this time I will classify it as a clean sweep of the New York Rangers. That will be four wins in a row for the Pittsburgh Penguins, shooting up the East Division standings here in the early going. But as I said a couple episodes ago, let's not look at the standings until about 20, maybe 15 games into the season. But even Jim Rutherford said he would like to wait more than 20 games to see what he has out of this team but of course, because it's a 50-game, sixth-game season, it's going to be a little bit earlier than that. Jim Rutherford wants to wait. And, he wants to wait and watch us win out, doesn't he? If that's what he's saying. Pittsburgh Penguins are six games, almost two weeks into the season, and Jim Rutherford is sitting there shaking that he hasn't made a roster move yet. Yeah, you know what? Good. Glad he hasn't. <laughs> this team's okay. I didn't know how to feel about the Roslevic thing a while ago, but now... That's handled. Should we talk about that first since I just said it? I mean, you, since you mentioned it, we'll, we'll talk about it. We talked a couple episodes ago, or was that our last episode? I'm not quite sure which one uh, we talked about. Last Monday's episode, we talked about the rumors surrounding Jack Roslevic of the Winnipeg Jets. He's an, or at least was an RFA. And there were rumors saying the Pittsburgh Penguins were interested in him. We didn't quite see the reason, and we didn't quite see the need for Jack Roslevic to come to Pittsburgh. And turns out that was not coming to fruit as the Winnipeg Jets instead traded him and superstar Patrick Laine to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Pierre-Luc Dubois and a third-round pick. Now, it is no shock that Pierre-Luc Dubois was on the move from Columbus that he, as he had asked for a trade at the beginning of the season, and he even was benched at the Ooh. end of his final 
game by John Tortorella. And Patrick Laine has also been known to be in trade talks with the Winnipeg Jets for a long time. So finally, the move is made. The second and third overall picks of the 2016 draft will be switching teams. Horat, what were your thoughts on this trade when you saw it come across the, the ticker? Well, I mean, at first, I didn't think uh, Rosalink was going to be part of it. And then he got tossed in by one of the uh, pundits, just randomly. Oh, and Rosalink's involved. Oh, now it's a real deal. I mean, yeah, Dubois getting out of Columbus for line A. Yeah, when, when it's just a one-for-one one like that, you're looking at it as both guys want to trade it. One a little more obvious than the other. But, I mean, we kind of figured line A was going to be on the move at some point before his contract ended in Winnipeg. A little yeah. shocking that it was this soon, I think. I think anybody's really dumb to get rid of line A. I, I think he – if he can pick up to his rookie season standard, that's a scary player. And Dubois is a good player, great player, not a line A standard. I don't but, know because Dubois is a much more complete player than Patrick Line is. Patrick Line is a sharpshooter, and don't get me wrong, anybody who has Patrick Line on their team should be thanking themselves because they have a goal a goal scorer that can score basically whenever he he so chooses yeah. to. But lately he's been streaky, and it's not like he's getting the full game out of it. And the problem being there, he's going to a team that's coached by John Tortorella. And John Tortorella, as we saw with the Pierre Luc Dubois situation, likes players that play the full game. So we'll see if either the coach can mold the player or the player can change the coach's perception a little bit in Columbus. We don't have to deal with it either way this season because we're not in either division there. And luckily for the Columbus Blue Jackets, Jack Roslevic lives in Columbus. So they don't yeah. have to wait for him to quarantine. And that was pretty convenient for them. But as far as line A for Dubois goes, I would say Dubois is the better player right now. Right. Okay. That's, I mean, I don't exactly know. I know line A put up a hell of a start to his season. I think he had like a two goal game, including an OT winner in their first game. Mm-hmm. Um, But he's, but we know he's no slouch. Last season, was it last season that he couldn't score? Or was it the season before? I believe it was last season that the timeline's all all messed up because of how long COVID was and how it split a season in two. But yeah. I think it was last season where he scored like 20 goals in the first 24 games and then didn't score for another 26. Yeah, it, that wasn't an, I think that was a pure anomaly. And I think that's kind of when the trade rumor started. So maybe there was more happening behind the scenes that we didn't know about. But for what it's worth, I mean, I don't know much about Dubois and – I think he will have to quarantine a little. I Going into Canada, I would imagine. So at least probably seven days. Oh, yeah. I got that completely backwards. <laughs> I was thinking Roslovic. Roslovic is from Columbus. Yes. Um, and he's playing in Columbus, so he won't have to. And they won't have to worry about line eight there because he's hurt. He's so. the one that I thought wouldn't have to at all. He does have to a little bit. That's what I meant to say a second ago. Ah. Going to Canada, you, it's. I think it's weird. I think it's if you go to Canada, you have to quarantine for 14 days. But coming to America, it's only seven, which really screws over the Canadian teams. Yeah. I don't remember how all that works. If I'm wrong, someone shout at me. I won't be mad. I'm just, I'm just saying what I from from what I remember. But that being said, the whole the trade as a whole, I I like Line a, a lot. Mm-hmm. I think his, I think his 
streaks of not being able to score just weird anomalies. He's a guy that, if he wanted to, could put up 50 goal seasons every year. Yeah, he's an Ovechkin type, just doesn't have, you know, the Ovechkin standard mm-hmm. yet. He could if he really wanted to, but he's a guy that can score on demand. And for Columbus, that's going to be interesting. And as for Dubois going back, like I said, I don't know much about Dubois' game. Uh, just about anyone, except for maybe Daniel Sprong, could have a more complete game than Patrick Line. It's not hard to play uh, a little more defense than those two could. So Dubois is already a bit more of a defensive player, just by default. So <laughs> that being said, yeah, you got Dubois on a third. Congratulations. You also got rid of Los- Roslevic, which you didn't want. So who knows what he turns into? He's going to be a wild card in the whole deal, I think. Because if he turns into something once his quarantine's over, coming back from coming in from Canada, who knows what he's going to do? I mean, he already signed a deal for 1.8. Mm-hmm. Two so years, I believe, 1.8 per. Yeah. Yeah. Two years, 1.8. It's a cap hit of 2 million this year, but then it goes down to 1.8. It's an impressive move it it was an impressive move for both teams and something that helped both teams Mm -hmm. if i had to pick a winner though at for the top for this season in the short term it's going to be columbus because i think lion is going to turn his game around and enjoy himself in columbus for the long term it's gonna it's gonna all hinge on if he resigns there and he's not going to if he's not going to, then that's a Winnipeg. Nobody season. ever, nobody ever, re- other than Nick Foligno, nobody ever re-signs in Columbus. Have we not learned this already? So now we your, have Patrick Laine and Max Domi who are going to wait until they can leave, even though Max Domi did sign an t- extension, I believe, as soon as he got traded there. But still, nobody Domi's stays got, in Columbus. Domi's got two years left. Um, Oliver Bjorkstrand has an extension kicking in next year. So he's a guy that's staying. And Cam Atkinson. Yeah. Just has a long contract. Uh, And looking around at the rest, yeah, it's we'll see. I mean, it's very possible that Line stays. Mm -hmm. I think he's the one that I don't like to assign winners or losers to trades anymore because it's such a fluid situation. I mean, for an example, look back at the Shea Weber and PK Subban trade between Montreal and Nashville. Like, that's that's the reason why you don't want to assign winners and losers, especially right after a trade is made. But if I'm looking at which team got better, I think right now it is the Winnipeg Jets. You have a guy like Patrick Laine who was a little disgruntled, but didn't really necessarily want to be there and, and was a one-trick pony on a team that is already so offensively gifted that he was kind of a luxury there. And they get now Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is a good two-way player. And I, I know a little bit more about Pierre Dubois than you do. And he yep. is a lot better on the defensive side of the puck than Patrick Laine was. So they get a good two-way guy in PL Dubois that is young, that is talented, that it can be electrifying when he wants to be. I mean, this is the reason that Columbus was able to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs last year in, in the preliminary rounds of the 2020 playoffs, if you will. But PL Dubois, I think, is the better player among the two right now. Patrick Laine has the, you know, he has the potential to be that guy that 40 goal mm-hmm. guy, that perennial Alex Ovechkin guy when it comes to a shot. I don't think his skating ability is anywhere near Ovechkin's. His athleticism is nowhere near Ovechkin's, but his shot, it's there. So we'll see what happens with that whole trade. It, it was definitely a blockbuster, uh, two guys that had been in trade rumors for a while, and then all of a sudden they're in it together. So 
that was a crazy thing because I didn't. You texted me on Saturday. I was getting my haircut, and you texted me and were like, "Hey, did you see about the uh, PL Dubois and the Line A trade rumors?" I was like, "Oh, I didn't know Line A trade rumors were actually heating up." And they're like, you were like, "No, they actually trade got traded for each other already. It's done." And I was like, "Oh, well, that picked up fast because last I saw, it was Anaheim was in the running and." I believe yeah. Minnesota was in the running for somebody. I might be wrong on that one, but they get the deal done. Both of these disgruntled players are now out of the place that they were disgruntled with. So good for them. Now they both have to quarantine for a very long time, but let's move over to a little bit more of a serious situation. And that's the Washington Capitals and their COVID situation. Four of their players were placed on the COVID list and will miss in total four games. They've already played two of those four the team was also fined $100,000 for failing to follow the COVID protocols. Alex Ovechkin, Dmitry Orlov, Ilya Samsonov, and Evgeny Kuznetsov, basically all the Russian players in their lineup, were hanging out in the same Pittsburgh hotel room when they found out that Ilya Samsonov tested positive for COVID-19. And because they were all in the same room, contact tracing, that's why they have to be out anyway in COVID protocol. So they're not suspended. Oh no, they, they were suspended it's, for four games. Well, it was COVID list. They weren't technically suspended, yeah. but they were placed on the COVID protocol for four games. The fine is because they were all hanging out in the room, and that is against the protocol where players are not allowed to see each other unless you're at the arena and be in close contact. And, and from what I understand, hotels have also like common areas that they have blocked off for the players that they can go to as well. But is this a kind of a ridiculous rule and punishment? I know a lot of people were saying. They're literally standing and sweating next to each other on the bench. They're hugging each other when they score goals or win games. They're in the same locker room. They're in the same shower area after the games, yet they can't hang out and play video games in the same hotel room. Was this a ridiculous punishment for the NHL to hand out to the Washington Capitals? It's hard to answer that specifically. Now, I've heard some interesting takes on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Alex Ovechkin's wife had this. Cool. Talk about she was not tea. happy. Uh, anyway, yeah, she was the one that mentioned a lot of what you just said there. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I've heard some interesting takes from it as well. Um, because you got to figure when you are on the road, which is where this happened for them in a Pittsburgh hotel. I they at the time I don't think they knew that Samsonov was t- tested positive. I don't remember that exactly. They did not know. Yeah, so they're hanging out. Without a mask. No, Grant, don't get me wrong. Let's say me and you are hanging out at your apartment. We're not gonna have a mask on because that's your that's your space. That is your apartment. The issue here is that and I've, this is the take I've heard that I'm going to steal and use this for my own. When you're on the road as an NHL team, you are on the NHL's time. You are not on your own per se. You are on the NHL's time. You are on your team's time. This is the These are the standards that were set and the protocols that were set by the NHL. You like them or not, you have to follow them. Are they a little ridiculous? Maybe mandating that you wear a mask in a hotel room. Maybe that's a little ridiculous, but at the same time, it's the protocol that was set. Um, It's probably what the state government wants here in Pennsylvania. And if it if that's the rule, you follow it. That's all there is to it. And as for the punishment being what it was, 
NHL is setting their precedent, saying, fucking follow our rules, and you you deal with it. Because Mm -hmm. another point I heard is, if you didn't like that rule, you should have challenged it before they were set. Because I'm sure that went through the NHLPA, because it had to. I'm sure. um, Maybe they did, but obviously the majority didn't. And that's what matters. The majority said that's a rule that we can follow. As for these four, it sucks if that's a rule. Sure, maybe that's maybe that's a dumb rule. But guess what? Someone turned out to test positive. That's just what happens. People are going to test positive. It's a hard situation to be in. I can understand both sides of it. Don't get me wrong. I see the side of they were just in a hotel room hanging out as teammates what's the difference whenever they're on the bench i get that argument but i also get the argument of it's the it's the protocol that was set by the league you're on the league's time you do what the league says it is what you signed your contract to do you signed your contract to do what the league says i think i see both sides of it was the punishment a little extreme no i'll say it wasn't because you're going to set your precedent now from here on in no one i mean they're not docking draft picks like the nfl did not yet, at least. Not yet. So, for what it's worth, sit your four games. I hope you lose each four because you're a rival team. That being said, I had to squeeze one in there. I was trying to be um, as unbiased as possible. But, you know, I see both sides of it. But I will kind of lean toward the NHL side and say it's the rule that was set and you follow mm-hmm. it. Do I want to wear a mask everywhere I go? No. I wear glasses. This sucks wearing a mask everywhere. But it's the rule. But it's the rule I gotta follow. It's what's set, and I'm gonna do what I'm told, especially in a pandemic that is effing killing people. Yeah, and not just a couple people, over five hundred thousand in this country alone. So there's a problem being that this is the first team to not follow the protocol, because a lot of people were also upset that well, the Dallas Stars got to cancel their games because of COVID issues. The Carolina Hurricanes are canceling their games because they've ran into COVID issues. Yeah, but those teams didn't break protocol. It just happened. It just happened. From what I've seen, those teams didn't break protocol. So they're making an example of the Washington Capitals. Is it fair? Not necessarily, but at the same time, you're the ones that broke protocol. So you're the ones, especially those four players, they did it to their own team. And they're the reason you get hit with a $100,000 fine. Like you said, this is now... This is now exactly what the NHL is going to base off of. This is the the verdict that they've handed down. They have to be consistent with it because if it, if they're not consistent with it, it's bullcrap, and the Capitals then should be outraged. But as of right now, this is the only time that this has happened. So this is the precedent set by the NHL. You follow that to the letter that you just set now. And, and as far as those four players are concerned, you mentioned that that is the rule. It is tough. Here's the thing. It's only illegal if you get caught there. Yeah. If Ilya Samsonov would not have tested positive and they would not have had to do contact tracing. This wouldn't have been an issue. Nobody would have ever even known about this, but you got caught because one of your players got COVID-19. If you were doing the right thing, Alex Ovechkin, Dmitry Orlov and Evgeny Kuznetsov would all be playing in these games. And I'm sure the fine would not be existing. Yeah. It would just be, Hey, a player, a player got it. We move on. Now, uh, when you bring up the Stars and the Hurricanes, I mean, the Stars thing happened before the season, so it's not like they were out of Texas. They yeah, were, that's true. They weren't, they weren't on the road. They weren't on the road. They were – because if you are on your time when you're at your home for home games, if you're just going home, going to the grocery store, catching it, okay, yeah, that sucks. But you're not 
currently around and traveling with the team yeah. when because traveling is the big part of it because every team travels by plane and planes are circulating air and that's yeah. how everyone on the team gets it so when you're at home and you get it well you're not traveling you're already home and that's where they're putting you to quarantine so you're, yeah it's not you're going anywhere you're not infecting the team you just kind of it's basically the equivalent of you had an off ice injury happen you know it's it's a weird way of putting it but that's kind of how it goes that's what happens when it happens while you're you know in a homestand situation whereas they were on the road they broke the protocol someone just so happened to have it and that sucks i'm not saying this is a good thing for the team i'm not saying it's a good thing for the league but it's what happened i mean shit we're we we were all behind the NHL whenever they went the entire playoffs in the bubble without a positive case. Zero case, zero None. positive. None. Not even a scare, but nothing. Mm-hmm. But here we are. We all knew this was going to happen this season, and the, and the league was ready for it. And this is how they're handling it. And the problem is now going forward, and we won't. We'll, I'm just going to touch on this subject. We don't have to dive into this because we're already kind of running late on time. Yeah. But the NHL is not going to be able to have all 31 teams play all 56 games. It's not going to happen. So you're going to see them determine seeding based on win and points percentage. The same way that they decided the standings for last year's return to play playoffs is the way that the playoff standings will be determined during the season. That is set in stone right now because I don't see any way. It is only early, and yes, it is only right now a couple teams, but the Florida Panthers have played, what, two games so far this season? because they were supposed to play the Stars and they were supposed to play the Carolina Hurricanes. The Hurricanes have now had an outbreak. The Stars had an outbreak before they even started the season. I think they've only played one or two games. And now you have Washington. That's All this is happening. It's going to happen to more teams. It's going to happen. So the NHL is going to have to rely on the points percentage to determine their playoff seedings. And for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, so far, other than that one-day scare in training camp have been – held pretty clear of the COVID protocols and the entire East division, other than the Washington capitals have been able to play every game so far this season. So again, bad, bad for the capitals, but unfortunately that is good for the Pittsburgh penguins. Kind of not really. It doesn't really affect us at all because we also don't play them again until the middle of February. Well, I mean, so far the capitals lost their first game without those guys in a shootout. So didn't they win that they won their first game without them. I, believe. I don't remember. I don't remember how many games. Their they second had. game on Sunday night, I believe. So okay. they got two more. Hey, I, like I mean, yeah, like I said, it sucks. That you're gonna miss your players, but they're also grown men. Can we bring back? You're grown, bil- you're grown millionaires that play a child's game. Yeah. If somebody tells you to stay outside of the hotel room, stay in your own hotel room. How much to wear a mask? I bet you that was the majority of the issue. I bet you if they were wearing their mask, it'd be like, all right, well bad situation you're gonna be in contact tracing protocol but maybe the fine would have been smaller maybe maybe it would have been like a game i don't know i don't know what the what the league's precedents are we're learning what they are mm-hmm. you guys didn't have a mask on wear a mask it's that effing easy you're also grown men one at least one of you that i know of i don't know about the rest of them has a kid be a be a smarter father i don't know Maybe now I'm becoming a little bit more of a yinzer against a, like shouting at a rival who fucked up. But <laughs> it's, don't mess up, and we won't have to have this kind of conversation. If a penguin, if a if the penguins do this on the road too, 
we'll have this conversation. I promise oh, you, we will we'll shout have this conversation a lot if the Penguins end up doing that. But it seems like the Pittsburgh Penguins so far have had it under control. But we are going to take one more quick break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show with our weekly Pens poll. Calling all Jets fans and foodies. What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon Rewicki, the host of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Look, if you love Jets hockey, this is the place for you. In-depth breakdowns from every game, a deep dive into the big plays and moments from Winnipeg's season, and all the Jets talk you will not find anywhere else. We got it for you on Skates and Plates. Plus, if you love carbs and everything tasty, we jump into the world of food as well. Once a week, we also speak with a member of the local culinary scene to highlight their great stories and the great food they put out. So there it is. Hockey, Jets, food, drink, everything good in life. It's right here on Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Well, the Pittsburgh Penguins have won four games in a row going into their back-to-back matchups against the Boston Bruins, the first matchups of the season against the Bees. And going into that, the Pittsburgh Penguins have really been helped out by their depth scoring. A lot of scoring from Brandon Tanev and Mark Jankowski early in the season. Teddy Bluger has been a revelation, kind of adding more of a scoring touch early on. But the question this week for our Pens poll was, who is the best Pens depth forward? And you, the listeners, answered in a second consecutive, pretty much trouncing. Brandon Tanev wins the poll at 66%. You guys think he is the best depth forward on the Penguins roster. Teddy Bluger got 21%. Jared McCann has 9 and other 4%, but nobody responded once again, so we don't know who they believe is the best Pens depth forward. Horwat, who do you think it is, and who, who did you vote for? And also, what did you think about the results here being so lopsided in Tanev's favor? Uh, I got to agree with the people, so mm-hmm. I can understand where the lopsidedness comes from. Lo- we love Teddy Bluger on this podcast. We, we do. We, uh, we love Jared McCann on this podcast. I think he may have lost out on this uh, poll because at the time he hadn't scored yet and we were kind of waiting for his game to turn around mm-hmm. and you know we still look at his 22 game goal to streak as something to really keep an eye on and hope it improves from there other i mean i can't think of too many other names that it could be jankowski's looked good so far but sevier hasn't been bad but i wouldn't put him in the upper class of bottom six forwards for the penguins exactly and at that point we basically named all of our bottom six now you get into Tanev, who is a guy that fits the mold of the, our bottom six perfectly right now. He's fast. He's got a small scoring touch. It's more of a score-when-you-need-it type player. Mm-hmm. And this man is a – I use the term, this man is a wrecking ball very use, very loosely. But it's reserved for one of two people specifically at all times, and he is one of them. <laughs> and he, when I say he's a wrecking ball, I – damn well mean it he's not gonna stop he's gonna hit you and turn around but obviously his game is much more than just you know laying hits he's got that speed that Evgeny Malkin said I mean Tanev might be the fastest player in the league I want to see that put to the test honestly (laughs) but if Gino is saying it Gino's been around for a long time I think he knows who's fast and who's not He's not fast anymore, so maybe he's watching guys fly past him and Tanev is included. So I got to give it to Tanev as well just because, I mean, he's got great speed. He's got great defensive ability. He's got great hitting ability, and he can score when you need it. He's an all-around player that, you've said, can play on all four lines. Mm -hmm. 
it just so happens that the one he is on is in the bottom six, and that's where he fits very well. Brandon Tanev, it took a lot for me to not vote for him because I didn't vote for him. I, I ended up voting for Teddy Bluger. I think he's the best paying depth forward mainly because you see how important it is to have good depth down the middle. That's how the Penguins won all three Stanley Cups in the Sidney Crosby era. Jordan Stahl and Nick Benino were massive contributors. And even, you know, Matt Cullen as well down there. He wasn't a center, but the, the way that he played basically almost seemed like he played every position for the Penguins in the bottom six. It really helped them in that 2017 and 16 run. But Teddy Bluger is a guy that, was so solid last year and so underrated for the Pittsburgh Penguins, a center that can play both sides of the puck very well. He was helped out by playing with a guy like Tanev. That helped him on the offensive side and playing with a guy like Zach Aston Reese helped him on the defensive side. But this year it seems like he's kind of pulled it all together and has looked good with basically anybody that he's been thrown out there with. He has a quick rapport with Kasperi Kapanen, which is something that I was not expecting to see in Kapanen's first couple of games. And then you also look at the fact that He's played well with Colton Sevier. Sevier is a guy that has been pretty solid for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, he is not by any means the guy that's going to go out there and be the flashiest player, but he reminds me kind of an Eric Fair where he's going to show up every once in a while and you're going to say, wow, he scored a pretty big goal in that game. I didn't even remember he was on the team, but that's who Sevier is. And the reason that he's played as well as he has is because of Teddy Bluger. Bluger just he takes care of everything that needs to be taken care of on the ice. You rarely see him making a mistake. He is still very young. He's on a such a good contract for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he's a guy that, for the first time ever, has been bumped up to, on the roster at least, look at, be looked at as the third-line center. That's what he was looked at as at the start of the game this, at, this evening against the New York Rangers. And for the first time, he can actually say, hey, on the depth chart, even though Mike Sullivan, quote-unquote, doesn't number lines, he was the third line center today, and he deserves it because he's been consistent ever since he came up into the NHL. He's starting to find a little bit of a scoring touch. He scored that breakaway goal two games ago against the Capitals. And then, of course, in the last game on Friday, he scored the game-tying goal against the New York Rangers in the third period. And he is the reason, along with Brandon Tanev, I'm not going to take anything away from Brandon Tanev. He is definitely the fastest player on the, on the Penguins. He's definitely the most hard-nosed player, at least forward, on the Pittsburgh Penguins. But the reason that fourth line can go out there in the last two minutes and Mike Sullivan has that trust is because of how good Teddy Bluger is in his own zone, in the faceoff dot, and how much he can still turn on a dime and be an offensive player. So that's why I like Teddy Bluger. I, of course, was outnumbered by you and most of our listeners who agreed with Brandon Tanev. And I don't disagree, but I do feel like Teddy Bluger, there's something about him. He's still underrated. I'm excited to see him grow this season and hopefully – Hopefully he continues his scoring touch because now it's it's two goals in the last three games. It's something that he didn't show earlier in his career. Yeah, we what I said it already. We love Teddy Bluger on this podcast. We are <laughs> going to be the first one to always support him and always hope for the best for him. So, yeah, it it's hard to vote against a guy like him, but I mean, I just don't know how. I don't know how much more of a projection he has, or how much more he will advance in his play. It's something that we'll just have to stick around and wait and see. But for now, it's I think he's a guy that is good on the third or fourth line. He is a bottom he's a he's good with his bottom pairing minutes or bottom line minutes. He's solid. There's no other way of looking at it. And we love having good defensive forwards down there. I mean, they're killing penalties beautifully and they're being the majority of our contributors right now, which is which isn't what you want to see, but 
for what it's worth, our bottom six has carried the team. And it seems like things are starting to turn around a little bit at least. Yeah, the Penguins top six has started to really come into their own. Jake Gensel getting the game winner on this evening. And of course, that was nice. I forgot he had a goal already this year. I'm blanking on his first goal, but five on three. Was, it was the five on three. So that's why I forgot it because it was just a tap in basically. Yeah. No skill required there other than to be able to stand on skates. But this one was a nice slap shot beating Igor Shesterkin five hole, giving the Penguins the win and their fourth straight victory. But that is going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We thank everybody that joined us live on Facebook Live and Periscope. We thank our sponsors at DraftKings. Like we said, use promo code THPN. We also thank our sponsor at Manscaped. Use code THPN for 20% off and free shipping. Horwat, any last words before we let the folks go for the until Thursday at least? Uh, the Bills let me down. Yeah, <laughs> it'll happen. Uh, I don't have too much more to say. I think... Uh... The pens are looking good, and that's about it. The Bills let the Bills let me down, but that I just wanted to see Bills Mafia in in the Super Bowl. That would have been a hell of a time. But hey, can Pittsburgh get over the Tom Brady thing? I'm sure we'll discuss this at another time. But yeah, uh, Tom Brady's going into his tenth Super Bowl. Oh, with and this time without Belichick, I think we yeah, know who's better. Take a team through the NFC and beat that Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay Packers. It's pretty impressive. I'm not a guy that hates Tom Brady as much as I'm a guy that really doesn't like Antonio Brown. But that's a story for a different day, Horwat. The Super Bowl is two weeks from today, so I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that in the next two weeks. Horwat, one last thing before we go. Is it Drew O'Connor season? It will be soon, I'm sure. We'll have to see you on Tuesday against the Boston Bruins, but that's going to be it for this one. We'll see you guys Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.